You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. Elvis. Kansas City is the birthplace of Charlie Parker, which makes it fair to say the birthplace of jazz as we know it now, or at least the best of what's left of jazz in 2023. The River City is home to a legend, and no one looms larger in the myth of jazz than Charlie Bird Parker. The myth of Parker is and was emblematic of our toxic cultural storyline that the public craves to project onto the life of the artist. Though when it comes to Parker, the myths are kind of true. He ushered in bebop and upset Louis Armstrong and Jazz's stiff old guard. You see, there's always a previous generation of musicians not getting it. And Bird changed music itself in the process. He was also an archetype of the doomed artist that we needlessly still witness to this day. Parker was sonic exhilaration and excess to the point of tragedy. He was talent built on hard work. So much hard work that the phrase woodshedding, aka practicing 10 more hours each day, was basically taken from his practicing lifestyle. Bird is America. So of course he came from Kansas City. I listen to you time and time again, and you tell me just what's right. You tell me a thousand things a day, then sleep somewhere else at night. I'm going back to Kansas City, and I love you, dear, but just how long can I keep singing the same old song? I'm going back to Kansas City. Bob Dylan, unreleased basement tape lyrics, Kansas City. People love to think of the Midwest as landlocked, but the first thing you should know about Kansas City is that it's a port city, a major hub of the confluence of the Missouri and Kansas rivers. And that's a huge part of why it was such an integral part of early American industry and trade. The way Paris is split by the Seine, 
Kansas City is split by the Missouri River. And that's not the only thing the two cities have in common either. Omaha-based radio personality Edward Morrow, a star journalist of the era, summed up the American attitude towards Kansas City and its jazz scene in the 1930s with the following commentary. If you want to see some sin, forget Paris and go to Kansas City. I think he meant it as a dig, but retrospectively, what a compliment. And back then, Casey was known as the Paris of the Plains, exempt from prohibition rules due to the uh, influence of political boss Tommy Pendergast, who allowed alcohol to be sold and consumed there. Surrounded by dry counties and already a central hub for folks traveling across the country and domestic shipping, the allure of America's own Paris was partially based on its underbelly nightlife. And isn't that always where all throughout history the greatest musicians have found their people? Musicians came to the city to play these clubs where patrons stuck around longer because they could drink. And since there was a growing demand for patrons and a plethora of musicians, more and more jazz clubs opened. A musical boom and bust cycle in the Midwest that had a positive effect for once. From the Green Lady Lounge to the Midland Theater, Knucklehead Saloon and Grinders KC, plenty of these iconic stages are still going strong. Rivers aren't the only thing that split this city either. The state line is another dichotomy-forming force. And some people think that straddling a state line is bad for a city. But all it really does, in the case of KC, is prove how much more powerful the spirit of a city is than the stratified confines we try to project onto it. Missouri, Kansas, these both fall away and melt into the heart that is the roiling melting pot of KC. And just for the record, because I know they're going to want to hear this, Kansas City, Missouri technically came first. States, cities, countries, these are man-made designations anyway. Except sometimes, places like Kansas City become their own kind of universe. And in KC, no matter which side of the state lines you're on, the center of that universe is jazz. And it's given us that and so much more, including Count Basie Orchestra, Big Joe Turner, Curtis Mosby, Chuck Norris, Lamar Wright Jr., Kevin Old, Lottie Beeman, Paul Webster, Ron Ford, The Carpets, Sincere, Tech Nine, Bob Brookmeyer, Tom Shapiro, The Rainmakers, Frog Pond, Larry Davis, Robert Russell Bennett, Kansas City Symphony, Frank Butler, Harlan Leonard, Black Star Kids, Redline Chemistry, Lester Young, The Get Up Kids, The Republic Tigers, Blood Pop, Pat Metheny, Janelle Monet, Charlie Parker, and Burt Bacharach. Honestly, that list of musicians could have been twice as long, especially when it comes to big bands, swing, bebop, and jazz, but we need to stop dashing out the sheer number of talented artists in the area to talk a little bit more about why. So, as covered, jazz kicks up in the 1920s and becomes very popular in Kansas City in the 1930s due to the aforementioned free-flowing booze. Pendergast's ties to the mob let him play a role in the bootlegging and gambling scene that went along with the late-night jazz clubs. But, and this is important, not everyone was in for the alcohol and the gambling. Mostly, people just wanted to let off some steam. They wanted something to do. Jazz was the cure for the Depression-era America. In a time before not just the internet, but TV and regular phones. When it was still relatively expensive to even have a radio in your home. And the programming on there was limited to mostly talk shows. Think, um, 
uh, podcasts. So yes, booze and partying, sure, but also socializing, putting on clothes to go out, also distraction from the gripping poverty that was sweeping the nation. The cure to all that was Kansas City, where something was always happening, which simply wasn't the case for a whole lot of small towns and communities throughout the rest of the area. At the peak of the jazz era, musicians would travel over a thousand miles between gigs, with Kansas City as one of the northernmost destinations. Because aside from the audiences eager for the chance to numb out from their back-breaking jobs and utter poverty, musicians had very few places they could work either. Very few places where what they were doing was even understood. Meccas were more important when we didn't have all this hyper-connection. Even if the internet is part of what broke jazz down, it failed to do so in Kansas City. Two decades after the advent of Napster, in the age of Spotify and Instagram, after the takeover of hip, the commodification of pop, and all the TikTok record deals, the cost of gas and travel and venues taking a cut of artists' merch sales, in spite of all that, the dream of jazz is alive in Kansas City. All those closed jazz clubs throughout the country, it seems, emptied their patrons here, like everyone who used to pack inside those clubs, the lost patrons of a lost art ended up in the belly of America. Those are the things you see here that you might not recognize elsewhere. Musicians making a living, playing, jazz, it's standing room only at night in some of these clubs, it's the rest of the world that are suckers. The legacy and future of jazz are being heard here. From the traditional to the mystic, athletic to cathartic, the mind bending to a straight groove. And once you make it here, to the promised land, here's where you need to go for the best of it. Sound of Our Town is a podcast about the music that shaped the city you are touching down in. It is also about finding, hearing, and experiencing its best music in sonic spots. This is our 11th episode in season two, and we are visiting a very special American city. I am your host, Will Daly. I am an independent artist. I travel around. I love playing these towns, and I particularly love playing Kansas City, Missouri. What if your first stop in this city was a venue that pays homage to the past? Tucked inside the American Jazz Museum, a facsimile of a former working club, the Blue Room, awaits. As the museum tagline declares, this is where jazz lives. In the Blue Room is a permanent exhibit and a working club that offers free music to the public three days a week, with small cover charges of like $10 or $15 on other nights. All the money goes straight to the museum or the musicians playing, so if you do attend a set with a ticket price, Rest easy that your money is basically a donation to preserving the history of this music city. The Blue Room is an important pillar of the black history of Kansas City, a community which is essential to the DNA of jazz here, if not completely responsible for the creation of the genre. Jazz is one of the indigenous American art forms, and the primary creative force behind the sound of jazz is black musicians. Located in the historic 18th and Vine Jazz District, which was historically a segregated district of the city. And what's now as the museum is the former site of the Street Hotel, a guest house that was included in the Negro Motorist Green Book. It was designated as a safe place for black travelers in the 1930s, who were still subjugated to not just segregation in the era of Jim Crow laws, but violence and murder when they traveled. 
The courage it took to just play jazz is imbued in its dynamism. Claims the fame for this district. Jackie Robinson stayed at the Street Hotel when he was in town, and Charlie Parker, one of the all-time greats, hung out in and around 18th and Vine neighborhood during the 30s and 40s too. The State Street Hotel's nightclub was called the Blue Room, so the museum's current club is an homage to that. Both an exhibit and a venue, the lounge currently hosts over 20 live shows a month. So whether it's a daytime activity after staying up late at a show or a pre-game for a night filled with live music, checking out the exhibits about the people who are instrumental in creating Kansas City jazz is a must-see while you are in town. The Folly Theater needs little introduction aside from the one they've given themselves. Come see wonder within our walls, the website proudly proclaims, knowing what kind of significance this space contains. Initially built as a vaudeville theater, the architect behind this venue was Kansas City native Louis C. Curtis, who designed the Neopalladian facade of Carthage limestone in red pressed brick with huge arch windows, giving the place a stately air. Like a lot of cities we've touched on throughout the past two seasons, the Folly is special because of the time when it was built, literally in the year 1900, which is hard to comprehend. This venue has seen the turn of the century not just once, but twice. Both world wars, the Great Depression, the Civil Rights Movement of the 1960s, the Vietnam War, the War on Drugs, the birth of the internet, 9-11, more wars, and the list goes on. It has seen a lot. And it is officially the oldest theater in the city. Its claim to fame at the time of opening was the use of exposed light bulbs, which was brand new technology at the time. Listed on the National Registry of Historic Places as the Grand Lady of 12th Street, like so many other historic buildings, it was almost lost forever after a few decades of misuse and disrepair, left on the cusp of being destroyed, along with a lot of historic buildings in central Kansas City. Luckily, concerned citizens stepped in and lobbied for the theater to be rescued, and a million-dollar grant allowed it to be purchased. Since 1974, when it was saved from being turned into a parking lot, a crew of supporters secured additional funding to renovate and restore the building, which is now considered one of the best jazz venues in the world. Some have compared the acoustics inside the theater to Carnegie Hall. In the tiered seating, rich interior and historic context definitely puts it in the upper echelon of existing American theaters. Though not a dive bar or a club like plenty of the other places where musicians come to support each other throughout this city, there's something special about the community that shows up to gigs at a faithfully restored venue like this. It shows a sense of appreciation and respect for the craft and for the stages that try to bring a sense of pomp and elegance to the proceedings. Not a lot of cities have the infrastructure to support something like the Mutual Musicians Foundation. But as we've already established, Kansas City is in most cities. It's a musician's town and furthermore, a place where both visitors and the community really put the needs of the artists first. As the name might have tipped you off, the Mutual Musicians Foundation is one such place. Don't expect this to be a bright and shiny venue open early on weekends and serving food and beverages all night long. It's much more laid back and formless. The best replication of sitting in on a jam night with some friends you're ever going to get without personally knowing one of the players and getting an invite to a practice space or a private show. 
Designed to help musicians learn, grow, and improve their craft while also letting audiences in on the process, the foundation is located in the historic 18th and Vine District and has been working to build community between younger musicians who are just starting out and older seasoned veterans for the 105 years that it's been active. Some might praise the older musicians for mentoring new young talent, but the ethos here is that the young people have a lot to share with the older generations too, and that there's a mutual benefit between the two sharing their work together. This kind of ethos is missing from a lot of the weird generational standoffs happening in the rest of the music industry right now. Scratch that. In the rest of the country. And it is something, frankly, that we could all learn and gain from. Everything here is donation-based, and the sets start very late, usually after 1 a.m. and can run all the way until 5 a.m. But there's probably not a more authentic jazz jam in the entire city. Another element that makes this jam special? It's free attendance for all the musicians. So any troubadours who are traveling through the city have a place to come, soak up some history and some tunes, no matter how broke your last grueling tour schedule left you. The Mutual Musicians Foundation has had such an impact on the community that in 2022, the local PBS chapter featured their work in an hour-long documentary called Art Moves Us. There's another documentary wreck later on to give a broader sense of the history of KC scene and one of its most prominent stars. But this one, Art Moves Us, is a great look at the current local work as well. There's a couple different places you can go for that loud, ears ringing, knee knocking, and face melting feeling in KC. If you head into The Brick, a quintessential dive bar, you're going to find a mix of both old-timers and young-timers, which might be surprising, but this mix of generations actually begins to make sense once you parse through it. There are the older fans, the ones who are really wearing Black Flag t-shirts because they really saw Black Flag, and the younger ones who only get to hang around to hear the tale, wearing a slightly crisper, cleaner version of the same shirt. Maybe fandom skips a generation because the age gap between these two factions can be wide, but their dedication to the t-shirts tell it all, especially for the older crew. Gruff men whose effort into looking this way tells a larger story. Spend some time at the Brick, yes, and definitely try out their meatloaf sandwich to get a taste of the local delicacy. It showed up on Guy Fieri's beloved diners, dive-ins, and dives. But that isn't the only place to get your face melted here. During my last visit, I got my face melted personally on the stage of the Uptown Theater, another historic building that dates back to 1928, and was built in the Italian Renaissance style as what they call an atmospheric theater. Somewhere between that extravagant opening and the present day, the theater fell into severe disrepair, a story we've heard many times until it was added to the National Register of Historic Places in 1979 and underwent a $15 million renovation. These days, the stage is packed with face melters and acts like Elvis Costello, Bands of Horses, and Blackberry Smoke. But the real place to get your fix for loud, grandiose, epic, hard, and fast music in this town is Record Bar. Record Bar is the kind of venue that draws the loyalty of all ages, the obsessives who frequent its rooms. Originally opened in a strip mall in 2005, the venue has relocated since then and remains a staple for over 15 years. Pretty much every indie touring band worth their salt, including yours truly, has played here over the last almost two decades it's been open. From Destroyer to Low to Pedro the Lion and so many others. 
Local emerging bands cite Record Bar as an essential stage to play when it comes to getting their sea legs and learning the ropes as performers. And plenty of veterans also name-checked the spot for the way it helped foster a continued sense of community in the area, continuing to serve as the authentic and intimate underplay for bigger acts in the area. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash iHeart. That's LifeLock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. The Record Bar is the perfect place to get your face melted, so it shouldn't come as too much of a surprise that it is the stage that plays host to Kansas City's annual The Band That Fell to Earth, David Bowie Tribute Weekend. So what's Kansas City's connection to the Thin White Duke? 
Well, this was a festival born on what was supposed to have been a one-off tribute show to celebrate Bowie's birthday, which is on January 8th, which is also the album release date of his last album, Black Star. No one knew it at the time, but Bowie has been working on the album while secretly very ill, and he only lived two days after the release of the record on his 69th birthday. It's almost as though he was waiting to give the world one final piece of music, and after he saw that through, he was finally able to rest. So the event was already scheduled to celebrate Bowie's album release, but ended up as a celebration of his life and a space to mourn for his fans in the KC area, of which there are many. At the first event at the Uptown Theater, a crowd of almost 900 people showed up to the tribute show, and it's basically been going strong ever since. These days it's now hosted at Record Bar, and the tribute is spread across two nights, but the band has continued to bring back the show every January for so many years that 2024 will mark the eighth iteration of the event. As part of the show, the organizers commission local makers and partner with small businesses, as well as sell tickets to the event, and end up raising thousands of dollars for a different nonprofit organization each year. The band that fell to earth is made up of 13 band members total, but they also incorporate a whole slew of guest vocalists each night, usually keeping it in the family and sticking to locals from the KC music scene. Band members include members of local acts such as Frog Pond, Katie Gullion in the Drive, Reason to Risk, High Lux, and more. Even if your plan wasn't originally to visit Kansas City in January, if you're a Bowie head, hearing about this fest might just have you rethinking that time frame. If you can't make it for the event, or if Bowie just isn't your thing, don't worry. The Vatican is just a block away. Green Lady and Black Dolphin are tied together as sister venues, interchangeable, one to the other. And no matter what happens in other spots, the duo is the winner in this town. It's the spot. It has its own gravitational pull reaching out to every corner of America. If you go to Kansas City and leave without visiting the Green Lady, not only have you not seen what this city is, you haven't seen what America can be. The Green Lady Lounge in its two floors and two stages is best during the early evening or late, late at night. Once your eyes adjust, even if you are coming in from the dark, the red velvet walls and vintage oil paintings set the scene, but the music hits you first right when you walk in, staggering in your blindness. The story of the outside world becomes just that, and you are in sync with the Green Lady. The only music performed here is original compositions of Kansas City jazz. They don't take requests, they don't play the hits, they don't cater to the whims of TikTok trends or pop's latest whim. This is old school regional jazz, and that's what makes it absolutely unmissable, bestowing everyone in the room a night that belongs just to them simply by being there. These are songs you probably can't hear anywhere else in the world. It's an ephemeral, changeable, unbreakable bit of Kansas City history, and it's happening all around for the patrons here, every single night. On my first visit to the Green Lady Lounge, I was struck by the unassuming entrance, knowing what a hollowed hall it is. I walked in at 7 p.m. After blocks of bar hopping, the sinking sun was beating down on me and my weary legs. A $5 cover? Had it been dark out already, my vision might have stood a chance, but as I pushed forth on the thick, chubby cushion of a red leather door and into the dark, it was as though I was reborn, 
into that lush darkness. My eyes adjusted, and I don't know if they've ever returned. The respectable chatter of the crowd at 7pm on a Friday was exhilarating. The place was full and hopping and the music was loud. The bartender told me 7pm isn't even the busiest time yet. Wait till 1am. The band is flying through the red glaze, loud and proud. You can almost feel the ghost of cigarettes past running through your lungs though they are clean. The music of the past and the future are happening at the same time. The gold-decorated frames with intricate molding and soft lamplight completes the world building. There are so many lamps hanging from the ceiling, I can't help but think of all that they have barely illuminated over the years. My eyes live here now, so do my ears. Everything is red. I guess the green lady was just a red herring. There's no green here. It's 7 p.m. and a world within a city already exists. This is jazz music for, I'd say, an age group, but they're all here. They're all here with every culture, color, gender, girls' night out, guys' night out. There are pickups happening, and there are date nights, too. There are people who seem like they've been sitting at the bar since it's open. All of America is in the room, and it's best represented at the Green Lady Lounge, doing what music is always supposed to do for us. Bring us together. It's hard to call anything a hidden gem in a city where most locals are just as obsessed with the music scene as any traveling troubadour. But there's still a spot in Kansas City that continues to fly a little bit under the radar. And that's the ship. It's one of the city's coolest speakeasies hidden behind a fairly unassuming front, with live music almost every night and a fairly robust dancing scene too. Head to the ship on the right evening and it feels like the whole world is down there. It's a 12-piece salsa band for 10 bucks, and people of every age once again spread out and dancing. All of America's in the room again, and they're dancing. The floor clears out after each number as the crowd resets or fills their drinks or shows their preference for some tunes over others or tips the band or just listens because they're so good. But the dancing never really stops with the ship. And it isn't just salsa. It's honky-tonk, blues, country, every form of heartland music known to mankind. And a little you probably haven't heard anywhere else, too. Don't try this spot on a Sunday or Monday. Those are the nights off. But any other day of the week, this place is open from 11 a.m. on for food, drinks, and music starting up around 5 or 6. You could easily spend a whole day in this historic bar, which has been around since the 1930s. And like we've heard so many places, it's been decommissioned and deconstructed until 2014 when the current owners found most of the old interior of the bar in a basement and began patiently putting the historic venue back together. Now the ship is a testament not only to Kansas City's past, but also its future, and the people who want to preserve the incredible history of their city and see it for the treasure that it is. Though the KC jazz scene produced and nurtured a number of legends, none of them are more legendary than Charlie Bird Parker. To celebrate the 100-year anniversary of his birth in 1920, PBS released a centennial documentary in 2020 that is an ideal way to ease yourself into the world of the bird. In case you've been living under a rock, 
Yardbird Parker was a leading influential figure of several forms of jazz, like bebop. Characterized by super-fast tempos, advanced harmonies, and virtuoso techniques. Considered head and shoulders above many of his peers. Entitled Bird, Not Out of Nowhere, the film is a look at not only his musical career, but also includes archival footage, interviews with his peers and friends, and some live performances from shows in Kansas City. Parker began playing alto saxophone as young as age 11 and would sometimes practice up to 15 hours a day. Well, that is after he got a cymbal thrown at him when he was 16 years old for not being good enough. At that moment, he decided to remedy that. Like many other genius players, his life was cut short due to a tragic accident that left him with a spine injury and an addiction to opioids that led to health complications that eventually took his life. But in the moments when he was the brightest star in the music scene, all this darkness fades out of view. This doc, along with the one that highlights Kansas City's current scene, supported for over 100 years by the Mutual Musicians Foundation, which started up right around the time of Charlie's tragic death, are both must-watches for music fiends who want to get the overarching themes and local idiosyncrasies of the town. Kansas City is America, the core, the gut, the centerpiece, the piano we gather around. In its heyday, Kansas City was also the only place in America where musicians and music obsessives could still have a drink, stay out late, play and hear music, and basically survive. Based on its status as a citadel of booze during Prohibition, creativity was at an all-time high here during the 1920s and 30s when the overall shift from big band and swing to improvisational bebop and jazz was happening. Decades later, Kansas City is still considered one of the major birthplaces of the American jazz movement and remains a scion of live music in this country. It's also a place where things can get a little hazy. Your mind wanders along with the song, and next thing you know, you've been in one of the many jazz clubs in the city for days on end, or is it weeks? Kansas City, it's the center of everything. That doesn't mean you can't get lost inside the music scene. Or maybe more accurately, it doesn't mean you don't want to. Even the experts can get lost inside the feeling of this music, more than anything perfect or pristine about what's happening in it. That virtuoso quality of Bird and his ability to carry on, whatever else might be plaguing him at the time, is exactly what contributed to his vivid, short-lived genius. Peers like Charles Mingus have commented on this as Mingus once named Bird's erratic but brilliant Loverman recordings as his favorite thing the artist ever did. Bird famously hated the Loverman recording session because he was struggling with drugs and the recording is riddled with errors. But to Mingus, that texture is part of what makes both Loverman and the work of Bird himself so singular. He said, I like all, none more than the other, but I'd have to pick Loverman for the feeling he had then in his ability to express that feeling. This is likely a better piece of music criticism than most people can muster. Even when they get into the idiosyncratic depths of what a melody, song, or record is supposed to accomplish. Here's the best part. It's supposed to make us feel. To communicate those emotions to one another. To preserve and protect the most unique and compelling element of being alive on this planet. And that's what the Kansas City scene was built on, 
and why it remains one of the most important epicenters of culture in America today. And one more thing. It was during my last pass through Kansas City when I was sitting at the bar at the Green Lady, and I'm one drink in, and my mind is starting to wander. The defenses you had up all day fall away, and all that information of what's going on in the world that you block out while you're on the treadmill of working and staying afloat, it creeps in. The conflicts, the emergencies, the vapid dramas, the industry of violence prevalent both within America and everywhere outside. Meanwhile, a band is sitting right in front of you. You could throw your straw at them. And they're ripping and they're loud and they're swinging. And it all just kind of sits there, right in front of you. But we have legacies of tragedy that we tell ourselves for generations, and legacies of art that we tell ourselves for generations. And the power of the latter of those two paths has been systematically removed from our upbringing and in a lot of ways from our national pride. And when that happens, tragedies have their way. And this band before me is amazing. And we are all deserving of so much more. You've been listening to Sound of Our Town. This is our 11th episode of season two. Will there be a season three? That depends on if you share the show and if you review it. That's pretty much how um, podcasting works, or that's at least that's what I'm told. Sound of Our Town is a production of iHeartRadio and Double Elvis. It's executively produced by Brady Sadler and Jake Brennan. Production assistance by Matt Bowden. Sound of Our Town is created, written, produced, and scored by me, Will Daly. This episode's head writer is Caitlin White. If you need to find out more about me or hear more from me or hear more of my music, just look up Will Daly, but spell it with all the vowels, D-A-I-L-E-Y. We have one more special episode on this season, and then we're going to get into some remixes. Keep this little show going while we fight for a season three. More cities, more places, more venues, more music, more life. I hope to see you at a show out there somewhere. Until then, thank you for your ears. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notify, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.
it. Hey guys, back to the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.